0: Now you're taking the knowledge of calculus to this almost like religious level of this is where all the answers
1: are. Exactly. Yeah, and as we suggested
0: yeah. earlier, there's not any evidence that they can use calculus to better manage the many jobs that they have. In fact, calculus just is this bolted-on thing <laughs> that they have to also right. deal with.
1: And all the challenges that they're going they're going to face in life aren't going to be solved by getting accepted into college. Right. They're not all solved by by your your high school transcripts or your right you know or by college credit. Welcome to the Unexamined Education. My name is Jonathan Ali, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Sean Dalrymple. In our conversations, we draw upon our experience as educators to gain insight into the essence of teaching and learning. We hope that our discussions inspire and benefit you, whether you are a teacher, administrator, student, parent, or anyone else that understands the importance of education in the life of the human being.
0: Good morning, John. Good morning, Sean. Today we are going to do something a little different. We're going to look at one of these teacher movies where a character is depicted as what I think we call a super teacher. Yes. And this is a pretty famous one. I think for both of us it kind of was the first example of this kind of movie that we had seen in our lives, and it's called Stand and Deliver. Right. So, John, what was your first What was your first exposure to this movie? What did you think of it
1: growing up? This movie came out in 1988, so I was... I must have been in junior high at that time, maybe early junior high. I'd have to do the math to figure that out. But I remember this movie distinctly being... It was a popular movie. It was kind of well-known, and especially, I don't know, maybe I was shown the movie in school or something, but it made an impression on me. It's a good movie. There's good acting in it. It has... Edward James almost portraying the, the character of Jaime Escalante, and he does a really good job. But I just remember, yeah, it had an impression on me. And as a teacher, I don't think I ever watched the movie again, but it was in my imagination and in my memory as as a sort of reference point for being a teacher.
0: Yeah, me too. And I watched the movie probably a couple of years after it came out. It was sort of more popular with my brother and his cohort. Yeah. But it trickled down and eventually, you know, we we rented the thing and And I was pretty taken with it. I thought it was a refreshing take on what (laughs) a teacher-student relationship could be like uh, over time. So I've, I've kept up with the movie. I've sort of watched it every couple of years. As a teacher, it's one of those movies that I think can be inspiring. But today we're going to look at it critically, and that's not to say that we will be negative about it, but there's certainly things that we want to consider at a at a more philosophical level and apply what we've been discussing over the last few episodes. Right.
1: Right. We want to use it as material for, for applying those ideas. So I, I think if there's any crit- anything critical about it, I think we're more being more critical of the education system that's represented in the movie.
0: Right. And there's there's a number of, of, of things that you might expect to hear from this kind of discussion, but you're not going to hear from us, and we're just going to put those aside. Like you're talking about, John, it's uh, in terms of the educational system, this movie, I think, got this reputation for communicating the message that all you have to do to fix the classroom environment is raise expectations. Right. And that that would be a great path for school reform. Just raise expectations. Right, And there's been a lot of criticism about this, too. And I'll say that it is an oversimplification to say, just raise expectations in the class. Uh, what Jaime Escalante does is he raises expectations for students who are clearly willing to work harder for that. So, I mean, the, the movie covers his taking 18 students through calculus, mm-hmm. out of hundreds, if not thousands, of students at Garfield High School. So we're, but we're going to put that aside and just realize that that's a ongoing debate. Uh, we right. also have the.
1: We'll talk about expectations, but just not in the in the sense of this kind of politicized debate about how to fix schools. Right. right and also that, right, exactly. that debate about how to fix schools you know, usually centers on test scores, which we're also not that concerned about, you know, raising test scores and, and, and competing with these days China in those days you know, maybe it was Japan. So this, there's right. a politicized debate that goes around this where there's different sides. One side maybe is more liberal and the other side is more conservative. So we're not really going to talk about it within that framework and that dialectic.
0: Well, and I would say we're not doing that because I think we're trying to get underneath all of this. Right. Uh, it's not because we're trying to avoid it, but but we're trying to, I think, fundamentally change the way we're looking at things. And so we're, we're going to look at this movie and see what we can take from it to the extent that this movie presents a teacher-student-school relationship that occurs in the world and that we can draw some insight from. I think right. we want to draw insight just according to our uh, our approach. One thing we need to warn anybody <laughs> who hasn't watched the movie in a while is that the standards were apparently quite different in the 80s and uh, the sexual comments uh, from the teacher to the students, I think we would see a shocking so right. if you have a memory of this movie, of it being like a great movie of a teacher who just like nails it <laughs> and yeah. is a model teacher, go yeah. watch the movie again. <laughs> and <laughs> right. and see if you can't get through five minutes of, of uh, Jaime Escalante's character uh, not saying something right. uh, that or, is borderline would get you fired.
1: <laughs> yes. Today. Or I might add, if you think of this as a family movie that you can you know invite your kids <laughs> to come watch with you, right. which I made that, I almost made that mistake. I invited my kids to come watch it with my wife and me but they declined (laughs) and i was glad once once i heard some of these comments in the movie i was like that would be awkward if my kids were in the
0: room and then there was the the old style of carrying yourself as a man (laughs) where you would put your hand into the top of your pants underneath the belt like behind the pants and it was Tuck it into the something. I, I have clear memories of adults doing that. So yeah. I, I think it doesn't quite. It, it just doesn't age well, though. Yeah, especially uh, if you combine
1: you, that that posture with the inappropriate sexual comment directed <laughs> right, at a female right. student.
0: So so there's there's moments in this movie where <laughs> where <laughs> anybody who hasn't watched in a while will be like, oh my god. <laughs> what were they thinking yeah and it's just yeah that's that was a thing that people did and I can't explain it beyond that everyone has pockets. <laughs> right. we, we had pockets back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: But yeah, so we should put all, a lot of that to the side and just try to focus on what we think is the good discussion in terms of, uh, of a philosophy of education, really. What, what yeah. do we see that we can learn from? Uh, what do we see that, that is a good example of what makes education so difficult? So right. it's a great movie for that. So we'll get right into it. I should say that
1: spoilers are ahead. Well, one other thing I just want to mention before we start is the, that we're, the distinction between the real Jaime Escalante, the real Garfield High School, and then the students and right. the fictional one depicted in this movie, that our focus is completely on this, this movie and the story told in this movie. So whatever discrepancies there may be between the two, we're not concerned with those. Right, right.
0: Thanks, John. John, let me ask you, where do you think the most obvious example of student, a student's individual interests is portrayed in this film.
1: We can see that most clearly with the character of Angel.
0: Yeah, just real quick, this is, for those of you trying to recall, this is Lou Diamond Phillips' character who starts off with the, he's in a gang, he comes in with a gang and with his boys, and so and develops from there.
1: I think this is the best place to start because in our discussions and our theory and, of education, we started with the importance of genuine interest of the individual and curiosity and desire to learn. I, I would say he's the best, the clearest example, and... You could even say, to some extent, maybe the only example of a student whose relationship with with the teacher is a relationship of independent will and desire, because, and you can see it also in the in the the way that Jaime Escalante treats him. He gives him the harshest treatment, and I think it's because he he understands that that Angel really wants to learn, and he really he has a desire to learn calculus and math. That it's that it's in him, and I think. There's a scene where Escalante is introducing the concept of negative numbers. And I think it's, I don't know if it's looking too deeply, but in this scene you can see the, the, the beginning of this when Angel is the one who answers the question of what, you know, negative two plus two, that it equals zero.
0: Well, after Escalante threatens to break his neck like a toothpick. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So you see an interesting, interesting approach that he has to, to Angel right. for sure.
2: <laughs> this is basic math, but basic math is too easy for you, burros. So I'm going to teach you algebra because I'm the champ. And if the only thing you know how to do is add and subtract, you'll only be prepared to do one thing, pump gas. Hey, ripping off a gas station is better than working in know? Orale. Orale. I'm a tough guy. Tough guys don't do math. Tough guys deep fried chicken for a living. Orale, you want a wing or a leg, man? (laughs) Whoever heard of negative and positive numbers? Anybody? Yeah, negative numbers are like unemployment. 10 million people out of work, that's a negative number. We're gonna need a lot of Kleenexes, there's gonna be a lot of bloodshed. You ever been to the beach? Yeah. You ever play with the sand? Fingerman! Come on, Fingerman. You ever dig a hole? The sand that comes out of the hole, that's a positive. The hole is a negative. That's it. Simple, anybody can do. Minus two plus two equals. Nethead. head. <laughs> answer it. Come on, you know the answer. Minus two plus two, fill the hole. If I had that on my hands, I wouldn't raise it either. Orally. come on, a negative two plus two equals. Anybody can do it, fill the hole. Minus two plus two equals. Come on, just fill the hole. You can do it. You're gonna let these burros leverage you. Minus two plus two equals. I'll break your neck like a toothpick. What are Zero. Zero? You're right. Simple. That's it. Minus two plus two equals zero. He just filled the hole.
1: Uh, but yeah, I, I think, and you know, what's interesting is that Escalante also emphasizes the, the importance of ganas, right? The desire to the to his other, his fellow math teachers and also to his class. And this concept of desire that, that he is emphasizing, I think is equivalent to what we've been calling the genuine interest and in the and concern and need of the individual, right? That to, to desire that. Now, how it's interpreted in these different, by these different students or, you know, for each individual case is another matter. But yeah, what's interesting is, is we can see that there.
0: Well, and I think what keeps it really pure is that Angel doesn't really ever give a reason for wanting to learn calculus. He yeah. just seems interested uh, in right. learning all this math. And and really, like Escalante, I think we can all see is completely unreasonable in terms of his own ego at times. Because there's right. yes, there's the the angel that that comes in uh, late, but but there's this he, like he's a he's a key motivating student in the class. You know, he calls. Out right. when someone has fall, you know, fallen asleep. Uh, he makes everyone laugh. He lightens the mood. He's he's definitely a good influence in the class when he's there. But yes, he's late. One, I think one time they show him he's late. It's irresponsible, or it's not really clear right. that he has a reason. But one time he's late because he they show him at this overcrowded clinic with his grandmother. It's like a Saturday or something. And he gets kicked out of class because he's late that that time. And so you see Escalante sort of – and this happens, right? So like teachers make judgments about students that are are correct and incorrect. Right. Um, But I think what happens with the teacher there, what I imagine happens with the teacher there is is that you set your rules – you've you've given the guy enough chances and you're done right. and and it's at that point where i think the teacher ego can can really be an additional barrier for a student genuine interest
1: right i think you could interpret that that scene in in that way or in another way which is that he knows how great angel's desire is to learn You know, he doesn't know why he's late, obviously, right. But I think he he doesn't doesn't care. He doesn't care. I think he doesn't feel the need to even investigate and find out if it's a legitimate reason or not. Because I think he feels safe that if he kicks him out of class that that he's pretty sure Angel's gonna come back and beg to find a way to get back into the class. Now, of course, that's reading a lot into the scene, but I would say one evidence of this is that in that same scene, Poncho, right, who's the mechanic kid, who's the one who, you know, says that he's the dumbest, you know, in the class and he can't do calculus. Right. He, he's also, he's struggling to, to perform a problem on the board. He also has, a, he has an outburst, right, in, before Angel comes in. And so there's a lot of tension in that scene. But then the last line that Escalante says to Pancho after Angel leaves the class. He says, "I think that guy has bigger problems than you." Which to me indicates a sort of sort of deeper recognition on Escalante's part of what's going on here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty generous interpretation. I think that <laughs> right, yeah, and I think I could be sold on it if it weren't for the chastising Angel for bringing his grandmother to Escalante's house and saying right. that that's that's a pretty low blow. And actually, I thought like Angel, I'm like, yeah, right on, like do exactly what the teacher. <laughs> Right. Does to everyone else, which is manipulate the situation so that you feel right. like you have to do it. I mean, I feel like Angel yeah. nailed it there, <laughs> and <laughs> right. uh, and Escalante's response. I think had he been reading deeply into that, and I think you're right. He didn't really want to have to kick Angel out of the class, but he, I think, he was more concerned with how he would appear to other students than he was concerned about Angel. Uh, so yeah. I think that's sure that that's my point there.
2: Mm-mm. Try the shortcut. This is easy. Baby stuff for Boy Scouts. Keep on my mind don't work this way. Tic-tac-toe. It's a piece of cake upside down. Watch for the green light. I've been with you guys two years! Everybody knows I'm the dumbest. I can't handle calculus! These guys have a better chance of making the AP test without me. Don't laugh. How could we laugh? You're breaking our hearts. Don't do this, Kimo. I mean, how noble to sacrifice himself for the benefit of the team. Do you have the ganas? Do you have the desire? Yes, I have the ganas! Do you want me to do it for you? Yes. You're supposed to say no! Well, I'm gonna have to get tough. Bullets are gonna have to start flying. We're gonna have to work right through Christmas break, okay? The counselor was just here looking for you. Something about some cosmetology classes. He says there's three different levels. One for boys, one for girls, and one for I don't know what kind. Why don't you go find out? Okay, well, please listen, man, it's cool. My grandmother. Clock out. Game's over, you lose. You never listen to nobody, man. Te quieres el martín gone. Adiós. Why don't you uh, send me some postcards or call me on the telephone? Let me know how you're doing. We love you. ¿Quién sabe qué cabrón, huh? Pancho, I think that guy's got a bigger problem than you. Tick, tack, toe. Simple.
1: Right. Yeah. And that in that way, it reminds me of the story I told of when I first started teaching that I was using that approach that you have clear expectations and you implement them consistently. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, if that's the case, then he's basically he set these standards and he feels that these standards are essential to maintain the integrity of this. Effort, right. Right. And even though he has a lot of sympathy for this student, but he's not going to let that get in the way of these essential standards.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> and I think this is the trouble with the approach, uh, you know, generally. And it's interesting that Poncho's up there and it's interesting that they show us the, the calculus scores at the end. Uh, Poncho. Yeah. Uh, got a three you know he was really struggling with it, and he got a three which is of course an acceptable grade and and may give you college credit uh, but angel got a five which is you know that's yeah. the top score you can get on an ap top score not a perfect score as they say in the film but a top score that you can get in an ap <laughs> right, right and i think it's interesting that they do that scene with poncho up there struggling and And not to say that like Angel doesn't need to be there for that in terms of solidarity. Solidarity with your fellow students is important. But for Escalante, the rules and the integrity of the class need to be more maintained for Poncho than for Angel. And that's the tough thing that I think we as teachers find ourselves in oftentimes is a student that can afford to miss a class or two and still do well is denied opportunities because of a a sense that you can't you can't upset the integrity of the class
1: right right because of of a need of you could say, right, Poncho has a need to be there on time every day to, to meet these standards, because if he doesn't, he probably won't get a passing grade on the test. Right. Angel, on the other hand, probably has much less need, but this expectation has to be enforced universally. In that way, it's a little unjust from that point of view. If the real goal is learning, then it, it can't be individualized. The expectations can't be individualized to that extent because cause the approach is it's a general approach to all of these students uh, as a group right rather than looking at at them case by case and, and one by one. In that case, then Angel would be given much more leeway because it would see you know he's sharp. He picks up the math, picks up math very quickly, and he's going to do fine. But this is seen as as being a weakness or a, a mistake, lack of integrity on the part of the teacher, generally in in teacher culture.
0: Well, and <laughs> y- yeah, you mean to be to be lenient on the student who doesn't necessarily need to be there
1: for a lesson. Exactly, right, right. There's a character building element of attendance. Right, right? And <laughs> even if even if it doesn't benefit learning.
0: No, and it, it it occurs to me all sorts of justifications that that people make for this kind of decision, which yeah. is exactly, one of them is character, right? You there's character involved in showing up to things that you should show up to or that you're right. expected to show up to. Okay, we can discuss that, but let's realize that's a separate issue from learning the lesson. There's another point that you might say, is well, you might learn something by watching someone else go through a process, or you might learn something by helping one of your fellow students out. Right. Those are other issues, things like that you can build into the class, but the only expectation that is conveyed to Angel is that he has to be there on time. I mean, as far as we can tell. There's not any other expectation except that. And so if those other things are going to be built into the class, that's another argument that we can have or another debate we can have right. is whether or not that those things really do happen or really do build character. Uh, but they're separate they're separate issues. Right, right. And the film clearly shows, and I th- reality clearly shows that it's a separate issue in terms of at least a test score on the AP exam.
1: Yeah, right. Right. We're not saying teachers shouldn't hold students to the standard of being in class on time. But I, I think we're just saying this, the discussion of that shouldn't be mixed all together with learning and and performing on tests and everything else as if it's all one thing, because clearly it's not. And and as soon as you start making an argument for something that's uh, invalid or unsound, then you, you hurt that cause that you're you're trying to argue for. Right.
0: And really, education suffers from this a lot. There's a lot of yeah. m- mixed expectations that all get factored into whether or not a person gets to attend a class or a person gets a certain grade. Right. Yeah.
1: So now we could talk about the other student who who's an example of genuine interest, or maybe now if you want to talk about some of the other dynamics of the expectations of the group. Where do you want to go? With
0: well, I mean, we can look at the the really pragmatic student, the student who has an interest in something else, but sees calculus as, an, as a, a helpful right. step right. along the way. Right. And so you're talking about I Anna. Think, yeah, I think that's the only example we have of, right. of someone who has that. Um, and that, of course, that drama is developed pretty... <laughs> that, that drama is developed in an uncomfortable encounter with uh, uh, Jaime Escalante going to Anna's father's restaurant. Uh, right, where
1: right. That conflict is introduced actually in a scene where Angel is late to class. Again, it was that first time when he was out drinking, you know, or partying or whatever. Right. And so interestingly, this is, these two things are linked together where Angel comes to class and Escalante is threatening. So he's telling him, go to the counselor, go to woodworking, build a shine box for yourself. And then Angel manages to, to charm him and the class enough, you know, that, that he stays. And then that's when Anna... You know, he says, I don't have a pencil, right, Angel says. And Anna says, he can have mine, because this is my last day.
2: Factoring, okay, green light, red light. Anybody, Anna. Okay, 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 go, okay, 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 go see the counselor. Come on, Kimo. Go find yourself another class. Go to woodshop. make yourself a shoe box. You're going to need it. Okay, Kimo. The man, you know. Why don't you put them in college, huh? So dumb taco benders like me can pick their vegetables for them, collect their garbage, clip their poodles' toenails. <laughs> I may be a sinner. But I'm willing to pay for my sins. <laughs> One shot deal. Go on, sit down. See you at three o'clock. Thank you. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I got more bad news for you, Profe. Now, I know what I'm gonna say is really gonna trip you out, man. Mr. Escalante, I forgot my pencil. <laughs> you
0: can have mine. Today is my last day. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Which,
1: that's right. Yeah. Just just as a note about you know scre- screenwriting, like I just what it what occurred to me is like just because you are not coming to this class anymore doesn't need you doesn't mean you don't need a pencil anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like, I just wanted really to dr- mention that it's not like a, a book. Like
0: the book would have made more sense. Yeah, I, that would have. I was sense confused by that. In fact, she needs a
1: pencil in her job. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Unless that a pencil was you know assigned to her you know is in the, in that class or something. Right, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, so then the next scene we see Escalante eating at a restaurant, and then we we realize throughout the scene that this is the restaurant owned by the, Anna's father, and Anna's working as a as a waitress there. And that's where you were referring to that. And know.
0: Jaime's doing like a cheap trick to you know get the conversation going by suggesting that there's a math error, and Anna gets called over and and starts to get ridiculed a little bit by her father right. for making this error, which apparently there wasn't. An right. Error. <laughs> yeah. So. It's it's I mean it, it's a, Some of these things are, are I just think uh, they really point to this unfortunate way that that a student's uh, integrity is put to the side in order to prompt uh, a bigger discussion about the student's education. Right. Yeah, and I I, th- I think I know I'm reading a ton into this, <laughs> but I felt like that was a a great example of exactly the problem that right. happens. Uh, in schools a lot of times is you you put this student down so that you can say, well, we got to lift this student back up.
1: Right. I I think it's a good point because like, if you imagine, I don't think that someone would feel comfortable playing that trick with the integrity of an adult. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. And it's the fact that she's this teenager that Escalante feels that he has the license to imply that she made a mistake when she really didn't have her dad get upset with her, you know, and chastise her a little bit and then turn the, yeah, the conversation towards this other thing. And so then the father sits down to talk with Escalante and it's pretty cordial at first. The father orders them both beers. I noticed he didn't order one for the wife, which, you know, right. again, at first I thought, oh, he's ordering one for Escalante and his wife. Yeah. But then You see that. No, that's not the case. And then, you know, they start talking and and Escalante launches into saying you should let her go to school. She could go to college. And. He's actually kind of arrogant and, and rude in this exchange, and and the father gets upset, and and I as as a viewer felt more sympathy for the father at that point. Like I felt like he, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't deserve to be one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And when, yeah, I mean, when Escalante
0: yeah. was pushing to show, he was really pushing the father, yeah. in a way that could be you know really bad for the father's business. Because he was pushing for a scene, right? And yeah, I was. I'm 100 percent with you. I felt like the yes, the father could have reacted more calmly, but he, this is a guy at work. He's trying to run a restaurant. It's <laughs> right. you know clearly a trying to, do what's, right right, trying to like, do what's right for his family and his daughter. Right, trying to do what's right for his family, and then some guy he's never met before, and that clearly he doesn't value. Right. is is coming in and, and doing these things, and I, I'm 100 percent with you. The yeah, the yeah it's pretty. Is ar- with the yeah. father,
1: right? It's pretty arrogant. Like like some of the things like Escalante said. Like, because the father says, when I came to this country, I was washing dishes in this restaurant. Now I own it. Right. And then Escalante says, yeah, I also washed dishes when I first you know, came to this country. And, and what it implies is that what Escalante did with that initial dishwashing is superior to what the father did with it. Right. Right. And, yeah. and that college has more to offer the daughter than the family business has to offer Anna. Right. And and the other thing that Escalante says, well, first of all, he he uses his phrase, "She's a top kid" or "She's top kid" yeah. here meaning she deserves better than this and and then he made this one sentence which i really sympathize with the dad that this triggered him which he said that she can go to college come back and then teach you how to run your your restaurant <laughs> so right, right i was like oh man he's really <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: I mean, he's yeah it, i would say that he's he's lucky anna came back
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah really pero well, you to enjoy your taquitos
2: Muy bien, señora. Muy, muy bien Except for one thing. Someone doesn't know how to add. She should be going back to school. Anita, ven acá, por favor. Despierta, mija. Mira nomás, te equivocaste otra vez.
0: Papa, this is Mr. Escalante, my math teacher.
2: <laughs> Mr. Delgado, how are you? Mucho gusto. It's a pleasure. My wife, Fabiola. Mucho gusto, señora. Mucho gusto. Can you sit with us? Sure. Uh, Anita, bring us a couple of beers, please. You should get another waitress. Anna can be the first one in your family to graduate from high school, go to college.
1: Thank you for your concern. Her mother works here, her sisters, her brothers.
2: This is a family business. She's needed. Well, she could help the family more by getting an education. She'd probably get pregnant. She wouldn't finish college. Uh, Anita, go help. Help your mom in the kitchen, huh? She talks about going to medical school. No. I don't think so. She'd make her own choices. Un momento. Yo soy el padre de la niña, no usted. She'll just get fat. She'll waste her life away in a restaurant. She's top kid. I started washing dishes for a nickel an hour. Now I own this place. Did I waste my life? I washed dishes too when I came to this country. Good. Why don't you put on an apron and give us a hand? Your husband comes into my restaurant, eats, and then he
1: insults me.
2: Excuse my husband, Mr. Delgado. He just wants what's best for Anna. She could go to college, come back, and teach you how to run the place. Professor, I don't want your money. I don't need your business. Skip it. Tip. It.
1: Yeah. So in the next scene, she shows up to class. Uh, she has the answer. To, yeah, this is also the scene where he's being observed and evaluated. He's being observed.
0: The, yeah. Yeah. And he's got the gigolo problem on the board.
1: <laughs> right. But I just want to just about the, Anna, the before we move on from that is this is highlights the the tension because we brought up Anna as an example of genuine interest right her genuine interest is going to medical school and she knows that calculus is an important at least this level of education is is important for that and so Escalante recognizes that in her and so he's basically negotiating or trying to negotiate with the father about lessening the father's group you know or family expectations on Anna in order to create more space for her to pursue her genuine individual interest right
0: Right. I feel like with Anna it's it's hard to tell because she's she's pretty reserved. But that interest for her and definitely for some other students is really reliant upon this idea that you need this college credit, right? And this would get gi- this will give you a leg up.
1: Yeah, right. There's the question of whether the learning itself, the knowledge itself, and skills themselves have value to the learner, and that's why they've been identified as valuable in themselves. Like calculus would be this thing that the learner actually desires to know, or is it because this thing has been set up as as a prerequisite for access to something else that that the students want, right? That in itself it doesn't really have value, right? and and because of that the value needs to be exchanged into the currency of college credit. Right. In order for it to actually be you know, usable as, as a valuable thing. So it's not like these students are going thinking like, if I know calculus, then I'll be able to use calculus, <laughs> for example. And that will be beneficial to me. Where I think that Angel is probably the only one who's actually interested in knowing about calculus. It seems right. Like from the clues that we have, the only one who's interested in being able to do calculus itself. Right. Although he does mention when in convincing Escalante that he should let him back into class, he does mention that, you know, he wants a good career and things like that. So f- as far. As, as the other students are concerned, the discussion, like we mentioned, has more to do with the, the college credit. But there's there's one argument that Escalante makes to them at the beginning when he's convincing them to do algebra, I think, right? He he says that you already have, I think, two strikes against you or you know two right. disadvantages maybe, where one is your name and people are going to assume that you know less or something like that. I don't remember the exact premises that he, he presents. But he says that math is the great equalizer, right? Right. And, and so clearly this is something or it's something that he bases his encouragement on, and the need for for doing this. But again, here, like the question is, how does math equalize? Right? Does it equalize through knowledge? Right? Because someone who knows math and, and who can can do a certain level of math actually has an equalizing capability, or does it equalize because it's a it's one of the gatekeeping mechanisms for access? Right, to higher learning. Right. I think he's definitely
0: <laughs> pointing to the second.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure there's any examples of a
0: person better understanding like the human situation that he or she is in in this film because of the learning of algebra or calculus that happens. Poncho doesn't manage his relationships any better because of his <laughs> math.
1: <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. of his learning. In fact, maybe the gigolo math problem even... Uh, Misled him, <laughs> right? Right. the The gigolo math problem,
0: which was, you know, that was in the algebra class, and that clearly written in a way to entertain the students, right? Uh, but, but definitely one of those things where you see these uh, instances of of what you know when the genuine interest maybe isn't there, how it has to be. Prompted in in some clever ways, right?
1: Another another thing that we can see lots of examples here are I think some illegitimate concerns of the group or especially the institution that shape the education and shape the classroom and the dynamics. Yes, let's talk about the illegitimate
0: <laughs> concerns <laughs> of, of, of the group on the students because right. they're they're entertaining. I thought they were some of the best.
1: Uh, moments, <laughs> yes, yeah. So you know, I guess the the main conflict of the movie begins in a staff meeting, or the main we could say conflict that's overarching around the whole school is the principal is there. Which is this was <laughs> just as an aside. One question I had is why is the principal always in the math department meetings, like just hanging out? <laughs> like in the first one, it's clear, but. You know there's another scene where he's just kind of chilling there, maybe he just goes stuff. to all department meetings, which yeah, it's possible yeah, yeah. he he does seem like
0: uh, i think he seems like a pretty good principal, I mean yeah, I agree. I agree he's definitely and you know gets into this mode where he's trying to just survive, but he's he's friendly, he knows the students' names, yeah, gets stern sometimes, but he he seems genuinely interested in developing. A good rapport with the students,
1: right, yeah, I agree he seems and like
0: providing them support. with a good education,
1: right <laughs> yes, and in this staff meeting, he brings up the issue that the school might lose accreditation right? And, right and it appears to be because of math test scores and the chair of the department one of the t- the head teacher there who we saw in an earlier scene when Escalante first arrives at the school she her whole take on this situation is that these kids are come from such a low socioeconomic background that they're at they have so many disadvantages and it's not right to put this pressure on the teachers to raise these test scores Because they're doing everything that they can with the circumstances that they're faced with. Right. Right. And then Escalante's reply to this, you know, he's saying, I'm not doing, you know, because she says, there's not a teacher here who's not doing everything that they can. And Escalante, in a very subversive fashion, (laughs) he says, I'm not doing everything that I can. Right. And there's a question here of, you know, sort of his strategy, right? Right. Because it has the effect of also elevating him in the eyes of the principal. Right. <laughs> right? It's, a, it's a political, you know, it's a pretty good political strategy on the one hand. So there's a question here how to, how to interpret his his behavior here. But, but the fact that he does follow through with what he says, it's not just an empty, <laughs> it's not just empty rhetoric. Right, but he he does it. A,
0: yeah, he definitely does it in a way that
1: uh, is subversive for the, for the uh,
0: head of the math department.
1: Right. And I think you you have to you have to interpret from this that he doesn't like what she's saying. He doesn't agree with with her excuses that she's giving.
0: Now is this the uh, God? Is this the same meeting where the the one guy is like, "I'm not coming back after Christmas."
1: Yeah, yeah. Because the principal is saying, "Anyone have any ideas?" You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyone he, having... if he, he, refer- <laughs> he calls <laughs> the on the one teacher. guy. And he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You must have something to say."
0: That's right. They go to him because he's established himself over time, apparently, as a leader in this. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, got, <laughs> I got something to say. I'm, I'm changing jobs. I got a job with yeah. Aerospace. Uh, I'm not
1: coming back after Christmas, <laughs> right? <what> <laughs> I got a job with aerospace. Yeah, yeah. So that was a real uh, classic moment that. <laughs> I got a kick out
0: of it. I, I felt like the the way it was presented where a problem is brought forward. And in the head of the math department, what she says is it's something along the lines of if you want to change the scores, then you need to change the socioeconomic situation of this community. And right. and I feel like I've been in meetings like that before where someone proposes a problem that feels like a problem that may be a creative solution could solve <laughs> but then there's there's someone else who's just like presents this solution that is clearly outside of the scope of what uh, a school could possibly do and it can be really right. deflating but at the same time it might point to some truth right Escalante, uh, in this scene, I think, I think we want to talk about this. This is sort of where he starts to pick up this martyr uh, status that he's going to develop.
1: And there's also a question here of whether he becomes primarily an agent of this institutional concern, because that institutional concern can be in conflict with the individual needs and rights and concerns and interests of the students. And and it's, what's interesting here is the department chair, however misguided her comments could be taken as, or however defeatist, her concern does seem to be how these institutional pressures are going to affect these individual students, right? right. And she she's showing a resistance to to taking on that, that institutional concern and then interacting with the students based on that concern, being motivated by that concern, right. which is the, the accreditation of the school.
0: And it's tough to say, and you kind of had to, uh, we, we talked about this for a bit, but I've come around to the idea that there's nothing really wrong with what she said. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the, the statement, as as you're pointing out, with the, the facts of the statement. The way she said it is the thing that's frustrating, right? Because it, it's not... It, it didn't seem like it was opening a door to constructive dialogue uh, right. along along new assumptions. But she right. was, like, questioning the assumptions uh, of right. the situation, and didn't really seem to be doing it in a way where she... <laughs> like, I... I think we compared her a little bit to you in some staff meetings. Uh, but <laughs> right. you you always would would get to these positions of questioning the assumptions, and I felt like it was always opening a door, but hers, her statement was really defeatist, like you said.
1: Right, yeah. Just basically shutting down this question. like, there's nothing we can do. Right. Yeah, which that right, in right. itself there's is un, yeah, yeah. It's unappealing. We're done.
0: <laughs> maintain sure. the status quo is yeah. really what she was saying, is right. you might as well maintain the status quo. Right. They're not going to shut us down anyway. They need yeah. these kids to go somewhere.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, just one more defense of her, (laughs) you know, is just (laughs) just this is that, you know, you could see what she's doing as deflecting because this this burden is being placed on the math department. Like, look, this is your problem. Right. Right. And, you know, another way you could interpret what she's doing is saying, like, no, that's this is not our problem we're doing we're handling our problems we're doing what we can we're addressing the, the things that are our responsibility but this whole question of the disparity between the test scores of the rest of the schools and our school and blaming that you know saying that it's the teach it's the fault of the teachers that's a that's a fallacy right yeah. and and i'm not going to entertain your fallacy you know so in, in that case <laughs> i really like what you're saying and but again it's the defeatist the defeatist tone that, that makes it you know, if she had said that in the meeting, then I think you could be on her side.
0: Yeah, well I mean that's I, I'm gonna look for an opportunity all year to say that next time <laughs> I'm in a meeting is I'm not going to entertain your fallacy
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right.
2: Trying to make Mrs. Ortega is I don't wanna be the principal of the first school in the history of Los Angeles to lose its accreditation. I'm the last person to say that this math department couldn't improve. But if you want higher test scores, start by changing the economic level of this community. The purpose of this meeting is to review the recommendations for accreditation. Any suggestions? Anybody?
1: Yeah. I don't think I should be teaching math next semester.
2: I mean, I was hired to be a phys ed instructor. As I said before, we lack the resources to implement the changes the district demands. Mr. Sanzaki, you must have at least one comment. This may not be the right time to say this, but... I'm sorry, but I won't be coming back after Christmas. I got a job with aerospace. How much money have you made? Look, we have the remainder of the year before we're put on probation. Now, if we fail, we'll lose our accreditation. If we fail, you can't teach logarithms to illiterates. Look, these kids come to us with barely a seventh grade education. Now, there isn't a teacher in this room who isn't doing everything he possibly can. I'm not. I could teach more. I'm sure Mr. Escalante has good intentions, but he's only been here a few months. Students will rise to the level of expectation, Senor Molina. What do you need, Mr. Escalante? Gunness. That's all we need is Gunness. What's
0: Gunness? All right. Well, I think maybe a thing to do because we've been talking a while, but I want to make sure we get it. Some comments about how Escalante manages the mediator role between the individual desires and the group expectations. Yes. And I would say that there's great examples of this in the film of him doing quite well with this. We were almost talking about the gigolo math problem. Right. And I think that's a good spot to look at because you have this you have this way of prompting interest from the individual. And but you're also clearly doing something that the group wants to see, which is we gotta solve this out. We gotta teach the kids how to solve these algebra right problems. And so this is something that he he manages it, but I would say the thing to to look at is is that the students there are at this point self selected into this class by whatever means they don't go through that right. uh, but there's a point from where you see Escalante the first day where he's in a class with like way too many students right and students who don't math speak 1A English class. yeah some don't speak English Chuco Fingerman is there right and there's there's a lot of these characters who are introduced in that first day that are not in this later algebra class so it's not really clear if Escalante did this work of getting the students' interests to give them a class or if it was the school. But but somewhere along the way, that is something that I think is a, a positive because all the kids that were in this algebra class I think, started out in that math 1A class. Right, yeah. You get the impression it's all Escalante is doing, but they don't really cover
1: that. Right, right. So you're saying that, that this this indicates some positive qualities in him as a teacher, that he was able to keep a lot of those same original students with him throughout this, this process?
0: Yeah, I think it, it potentially indicates that. It's a tough thing because Tito points out at one point that Escalante does a good job of scaring them into doing things.
1: Right. And and it gets old reality.
0: What's that? Yeah, it gets gets old old real
1: fast. But then he shows up with the contract signed after that.
0: Right. Tito sticks with it and you know, the contract I think is an interesting moment where he it's it's a contract that the parents have to sign yeah because it's going to require so much extra work right and, and commitment and surprisingly there's no burnout i mean there's burnout but no one actually drops from the effort to to take the AP exam and they all yeah. pass, right? So right. they'll get three or higher. But but yeah, I think at that point you are pushing whether or not you're detecting the genuine individual interest. Now, yeah, I think what Escalante is doing is is what any any adult should do, like what a, any good parent should do, which is you're watching the, the individual interests of your child and you're hoping that they're constructive. And if they're not constructive, you're trying to provide a constructive interest. Like you don't, right. you know, especially when you're in a dangerous neighborhood. There's a lot of individual interests that might naturally develop for a young person that society has a legitimate reason to push back against. Right. Now, algebra and calculus might be an arbitrary pushback, but I think we agree that it's better than uh, (laughs) than slipping into like a gigolo lifestyle. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, And so he, you know, he does a really brilliant job, I think, of. Of of showing that this pathway has maybe some power. Even even right. if it doesn't really, by, by doing the gigolo math problem, this approach, if you can adopt this interest in math, then you'll have some power over this other interest that you might have.
1: Right. Just to just to push back on that a little bit, <laughs> is <laughs> is that I'm
0: so proud of myself. I felt like I just made a great point. <laughs> no, it is a
1: great point. I it is a great point. But I'll, you know, it'll be even, you know, it'll benefit from a little bit of pushback too, I think. Okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. And one one way you could see this contract and from that that point of view that you're that you're explaining is that this fills up their time, right? Fills up their time with a positive Activity, something that's that's good for them, it's going to lead to something valuable, which is the college credit, the discipline, participating in this commitment. And what's what's the alternative? Right, right? it's
0: a better al- activity than the alternative.
1: Right, but now one one thing that this does assume, which I just want to point this out, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that this negates that that point, but one one assumption that it does have built into it is that if these kids are in control of their time they're going to use it in a destructive way.
0: That's true. With some students they depict that it's clear like Angel spends a decent amount of time drinking and driving or around and getting in
1: trouble. <laughs> breaking glass. <laughs> yeah, harassing the police.
0: <laughs> Whereas Poncho is legitimately concerned with being able to develop this skill that he enjoys, like right. he likes working on cars. Right. Anna, of course, is in a spot where she will be doing something productive and, and good. There's no doubt right. about that. I would say Anna and Pancho that it seems like there's indications that their time will be well spent and not poorly right. spent.
1: Right. Also the girl, I don't I don't know her name but the one who they show scenes of her taking care of her siblings and her mom comes home late from work and asks her to turn off the light while she's studying so it keeps her from studying. So but that character, she her time seems occupied by helping out with her family. Right. Which is also a very positive use of time. Now you could argue that she should be required to do that less and be able to spend more time on academics but that's another character who it's clear that most of these or at least the the students that they focus on of the students that they focus on i would say only angel clearly has bad influences in his life although he right. is probably the most disciplined out of all of them that he can still get his homework done and then go out drinking with fingerman afterwards <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and then and then also tito who's probably the gigolo of the group <laughs> or he's portrayed as that and Escalante also mentions that he plays in a band on Friday nights that's you know before Tito says you're good at scaring us into doing things so probably he also is you know has some dynamics in his life that are leading him towards wasting his time
0: yeah but i think with Tito we don't get enough evidence i mean that this is one of those things like every if every teenager who was interested in playing in a band actually <laughs> got into a professional band then you know, we would have millions Of bands. (laughs) Right. Right. And so I understand Escalante's pushback, but at the same time, playing in a band is potentially constructive and artistic. And Tito's clearly artistic. They show that the very first thing he's doing, he's writing his name in a giant way on the chalkboard. Right. And Escalante's right. Calculus will get you somewhere in this society faster than if you take care of your family and give up some academic time to ensure that both parents can work and right. the younger kids can go to sleep, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I actually really appreciate your pushback here because I would say a majority of the things presented there are things that are presented that are arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, inappropriately Cast in terms of being roles that a person might fill that should be escaped from. Right. Now, I think she the young lady who takes care of the family, I think she is clearly overworked.
1: Right. I mean, just like, you know, I don't want to be too picky about this, but another question, maybe for her, the best thing is to get up to pre-calculus in high school. You know, is it necessary right. for her to, to you know, take AP calculus and pass the, the calculus exam? Right, to
0: give up her summer and her Saturdays to...
1: Right, yeah. And also for, for Pancho, it's the same question. He had that, that chance to get the, I think he said, forklift job, and then in two years, he'll be making more than Escalante. So Right. So, yeah, it's saying, "Of okay, course, don't drop out of school." But he wasn't planning. He was just saying, "You know, maybe I'm not going to participate in your your calculus class because of that." Right. And I, yeah, it's it's a sort of like this absolutist kind of black and white thinking that either you're in Escalante's calculus class and you're going to be a winner, or you're not and you're going to be a loser.
0: Yeah, it, it was kind of presented that way. And really, Escalante, I mean, the contract, of course, is important because these are these parents have to sign it, and these are minors that we're. Talking talking about right uh, but you're talking about minors with a year or two left in their <laughs> in that status and then suddenly they're adults right and i think escalante is a bit of a salesman when it comes right. to uh, doing this
1: right not to mention the scene with, with Poncho in Poncho's car where escalante's driving <laughs> right <laughs> yeah talking about minors you know who, who are still under the you know, uh, when it was a t- guardianship t- of their parents. I, I
0: thought it was such a weak point too, because yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, to presume that you can track that that a decision to stick with calculus is going to lead to a better life for you, and that the other decision is going to lead to a dead end, right? Like I I think that's that's so weak because that's I mean now you're taking calculus now you're taking the knowledge of calculus to this almost like religious level of this is where all the answers are and exactly and as we that's
1: that's important yeah and as we suggested
0: earlier there's not any evidence that they can use calculus to better manage the many. Jobs that they have. In fact, calculus just is this right, right. bolted-on thing that they have to also right. deal with.
1: And all the challenges that they're going they're going to face in life aren't going to be solved by getting accepted into college. Right, right. They're not all solved by by your your high school transcripts or your right. you know, or, or college or, or, credit and
0: or three hours of credit <laughs> in college. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: This is a point that I wanted to make is that. I think this is where perhaps the illegitimate force of the teacher ego gets involved because that exact argument and, and, you know, the scene for any of our listeners who don't know the scene we're talking about, Escalante is driving with Pancho in Pancho's car. Escalante is, is you know, has the wheel and they, go, they come to a fork in the road and there's traffic around them. <laughs> and Escalante says... Right or left, right or left, you know, and he just gives him a moment to decide. And Poncho picks right, and so he swerves to the right, and, you know. And there's like this other car nearby them that has to swerve out of the way. And that right fork in the road leads to a dead end, and they stop there. And then Escalante makes the point: all you see is the turn, right? You don't see the what comes. You don't later, see the road ahead. What's right. down the road? Right. Yeah, the road ahead. And this is, yeah, it's it's so fallacious. <laughs> Again, like it's such a fallacy because Pancho, first of all, he does see the road ahead. He already made the point, right? About, after <laughs> right. two years. He'll be making more than Escalante himself. And, and yeah, like Escalante is implying that, that not taking this calculus class is a dead end, which is also clearly not true. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah,
0: it's— Also it, suggests that Pancho made the wrong call by getting Escalante to stop driving the car <laughs> because he was grinding the <laughs> right. gears. He was tearing up right. the car. And Pancho was handling it way better than I would have for somebody who— right who appreciates a good standard transmission. Like, Escalante <laughs> right. was destroying this car's transmission. And I would say that uh, Poncho made nothing but good decisions in that
1: scene. Exactly. Yeah, Poncho was the responsible adult in that scene.
0: Right. Right. He was calm. He, he, he got the guy who was a bad driver to stop driving because <laughs> right. it's a dead end.
1: Right. Maybe like, he chose. Who knows maybe he what told was to... going? Who knows yeah. the calculus exactly. that was going through his mind? Exactly. That He told him to turn, turn right knowing there was a dead end there. So Escalante would have to stop the car. <laughs> <laughs> right. right.
0: <laughs> Why are you assuming that I want you to continue driving, Escalante?
2: He didn't sign it. Come on, Kimo. i got to put school on. Go back until you signed it. My uncle offered me a job, operating a forklift. Saturdays and Sundays, I'll be making time and a half. So what? Two years in the union, and I'll be making more than you. Guimo, I don't want to let you down, but the money I've been making will buy me a new Trans Am. No one cruises through life, you Wouldn't you rather be designing these things and repairing them? You can't even do that. They got fuel injection. Guimo, you're going to strip my gears, man. What's your Don't panic, Jenny. Just watch out for the other guy. Right or left?
0: Where are we going? Right or left? Go right! Go right!
2: All you see is the turn. You don't see the road ahead.
1: Yeah. So now that might just be, a you know, the, the Hollywood dimension of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah, Hollywood. For right. sure. <laughs> but still, it might lead some to think, well, that's what a teacher, a good teacher needs to do. Things like that, you know, <laughs> it needs to be that <laughs> right. provocative and that, you know, make these weak arguments in such a dramatic way so that the students just submit to him. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> I think that's that's an a- <laughs> excellent... I'm glad you brought that in. It, it's fine. We got this list of scenes we want to talk about. We've done a really poor job of actually covering the scenes that we <laughs> we're going to talk about, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's all right. I, I thought it was a great movie to really look at this through a different lens. After all these years of watching this from the, the genre that, that we talk about is the super teacher genre, right. which I find is almost always annoying. As a teacher, <laughs> super right. teacher films are almost always like really annoying. Yeah. This one has never been annoying to me, but that might be Escalante. He He does come across as genuinely interested in the students, even though it does seem like his agenda does overtake to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. But he's working within a system that he doesn't question until the very end, and I think yeah. that happens to teachers too. Is when right. these AP results are invalidated, then he is upset because the students have lost faith in the system, and he s- is starting to lose faith in the system and goes in and and yells at the psychometricians
1: uh,
0: <laughs> and some really awkward <laughs> awkward <laughs> scenes with Andy Garcia. Yeah. But. <laughs> Entertaining, nevertheless, but this is maybe an important point for us to consider is, is that ultimately after the students all pass the AP exam, they're asked to retake it if they want to keep their scores. Yeah. And everyone's pushing back against this, as they should be, right? Because they're being called cheaters and there's no proof. Right. They're very clear about that. And Escalante really fights with this, whether or not he should ask the students to do this, but ultimately ask the students to retake the exam. Right. And I think that leaves us with a really – and I'm glad. I mean, I'm fine with the film leaving us with a strange – like uneasy feeling at the end. They sort of put it as though it's a big victory for the students, but the fact that they all had to retake this exam because of suspicions that were never, no evidence was ever pr- provided. Right. No proof was ever given and that he'd really doubled down on, well, if you're going to make it in this world, you got to have this AP exam. And I felt like that was a pretty mixed message to send to
1: these kids. I mean, yeah, you can look at it a couple of different ways. One is that because he argued that math is the great equalizer and they did their job, the diligence and learning math and preparing and and doing well on the exam. But then that very thing was used against them and forced them to work literally twice as hard (laughs) as another student to get the same thing. Now, on the other hand, you could say because they were allowed to take it again and they proved themselves again, it does show that it was an equalizer, that they're they're actually knowing their stuff is what made them capable of retaking the same exam and and scoring well again, proving that it wasn't a fluke. But it was a place where Escalante's idealism, and I I think the movie portrays this well, where his idealism comes up against this harsh reality that that idea that just because you, you do your part, the system is going to reward you or recognize you for that. I
0: really appreciate the line where they where they're calling ETS, which is the, the testing service that, that yeah. gives the, the A P exam and they're saying, We're going to retest and they're like, Okay, it's day after tomorrow and right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the students says, we only get one day to study. And I, I appreciate that they included that detail because this is like a reality of the students' lives is that yeah. they will do better if they have more time. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's cramming that can be effective and then there's you know longer term studying that can be effective. And it's a dynamic process. It's not easy to really isolate one approach, but now they're for- all forced into cramming. Right. Right. And and really the thing that is supposed to be tested right now is the character of these students. And it's being tested by their ability to do math. And I think that that's that's maybe the most unfortunate thing that happens here. And it's not Escalante and it's not on the students. It's clearly on ETS. Right. They've analyzed the data. They've decided that these students shouldn't get these scores because AP is a standard for all universities and they can't have any any smudge on their reputation. Right. And I think Escalante's like accusations of racism, I think all of that, it's understandable that all of those things are coming in because what's happening here is, is that students' character is being tested by their ability to do math, right. which is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Right. I think it is It is a test of character because it's it's questionable to what extent. It's a test of mastery of the content. Just the fact that they have to cram to take it again. And I think anyone would. You know, it's not questioning this group of students that they didn't really learn calculus because otherwise they would have been ready at a moment's notice. Right.
0: Like you're perpetually ready. Right. Everyone
1: knows <laughs> right. that, that, that you're preparing for an exam. Yeah, that's, exactly. And that's and that's how, how these exams are. Even even the easier exams, the more you prepare for that exam, the better you're going to do, right? right? So this idea that it's some kind of objective measure of knowledge or skills is just incorrect because there's so much of it is preparing for that particular exam. And, and not only that, but then even the, the knowledge and, and skills that it's testing apparently are not the kind that that a person would maintain over the long term without having to cram again. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. Now, full disclosure here, I also took the AP Calculus exam when I was a senior in high school. I scored a 1, I believe, which they say famously that <laughs> if you if you put your name on the exam, <laughs> you know, I don't know how true that is. But if you put it in, put your name on the exam, you'll get a 1. And, you know, that might have been the only credit that I got. And I also failed the AP Calculus class. That's a whole nother story, but you were a pretty disenchanted student. Yeah, the time, I was, was not. I, yeah, I, I was nowhere near having Ghana's. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I, you know, I didn't have Jaime Escalante as my teacher. So, you know, what can I say? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, just standardized testing in general, we want to believe that it's some sort of good measure of learning. And that's not to say that it's completely illegitimate as a standard of learning or of measuring learning, but there's reason to believe that that looking at the grades that they got in the class is a better indicator of of how well they learned calculus than the score they get on this exam at the end, right? I think a strong argument could be made for that. Now, of course, that has its own questions about whether the, the class itself was up to the rigorous standards, the grading procedure, and, and all those kinds of things. Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to mention that there's this assumption there that this test shows whether you learned something or not, okay? And if that's the case, right. then why Where's the? Why is there a need to cram for the test?
0: Those scenes with the – or that scene with the psychometricians confronting the students was was great. Yeah. I thought it was a, a wonderful uh, depiction of the a distance between the people who are giving this test that measures yeah. their ability to <laughs> – Take the test. Yeah. And and the students who have gone through like at this point years of work and are completely a group now. Like there's you know, they're not fighting each other anymore. Yeah. You know, they're they're one group and they feel unjustly accused. Right. And obviously that's that's the the situation. And those guys they, they really come across as impotent uh, right. in the end, the psychometricians. Right. It's worth watching that scene because they, they sort of capture student culture there, especially students who've been through something together yeah. and are confronted by these alien adults who are saying they did something wrong or are trying yeah. to get to the bottom of something.
1: One, <laughs> this is just a movie. Again, back to the screenwriting of that scene. I thought Angel's joke at the end could have been much stronger because the the, yeah, reac- it, the reaction well, of the students is a little too much. Yeah, the
0: reaction was appropriate if the joke had been better.
1: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Blue <laughs> Diamond Phillips, I think he did his best to pull it off, but it's just the writing was was not there.
0: <laughs> what, well, do you have a better joke for him?
1: I I might have when I was watching. You know, just under this pressure of you know, asking me, I, I don't think I can come up with it. But <laughs> but one thing I want to say the, to a credit to the screenwriting was that for the viewer they they do sow some doubt in your mind that you're not sure whether maybe some of them did cheat because you have the scene where Anna and, and the um, the other kid who <laughs> I don't know his name, the nerdy right. guy who are, are talking and, and they, you know, asking each other, do you think anyone cheated or not? And then so in that scene, when Angel gets up and he says, it's like he's going to confess. If you haven't seen the movie before, then, then I think that is a, a moment of suspense because you don't know really if any of them cheated or not. Right. Yeah. You all of a sudden have this, Idea that maybe
0: oh maybe something untoward did happen although yeah the psychometricians I think are are unlikely characters to pull the truth out
1: yeah that's yeah I,
0: I think my memory on first watch this is tough to go back to but I think I thought that Angel wasn't so much going to confess but yeah. that he was or, or that he was going to confess but not because he really cheated but just because he's like well this is what the the man wants you know and right <laughs> like, and right. I'm. Fine, like I'm I'm this hoodlum that you think I am and just walk out. Right,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And make the point to all of his fellow students that they don't they don't want anything good for us. So right. Right.
1: another assumption that you might make as a viewer is that he's going to sacrifice himself for the group and somehow right. say it in a way where he's the only one who's implicated.
0: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but actually I'm I'm coming around to that joke now. <laughs> Cuz it's so ridiculous, so extreme. He he, ba- he basically says that he he suggested that he got the mailman involved and then he had to kill the mailman. <laughs> right. Uh, and st- stash his body in his locker. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I think Actually I think the joke's okay. I think the the suspense of it could have been brought up a little bit more.
1: Right. Now that you mention it, there's the joke is a little clever in that it points to the absurdity of right. of the the accusation, you know, his joke is to give an ab- absurd explanation of how this could have happened, right? And right. Uh, and also to involve the lock stashing him in the locker, <laughs> you know, makes it real high school. It's a nice touch. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe shows the you know the the limited resources that these high school students would have to pull something like this off. Stashing the body would have to be done, you know, (laughs) in the locker. (laughs) Right, right.
2: We're busted. Why don't we just admit it? How'd you do it? I got the test ahead of time. I passed it out to everyone else. How did you get the test? Mailman. I strangled him. His body's decomposing in my locker.
0: Yeah, I think we, <laughs> I think we better call it a day on this.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a it's a film worth watching. It's definitely, I still think it works as a one of the few super teacher films that is enjoyable to watch as a teacher. And yes, I mean for me, but I'm definitely a lot more critical. I think of of where the system and Escalante could manage the mediator position. A lot better, mm-hmm. yeah. and what it what it makes me realize is we've talked about the teacher being a mediator between the students' individuals individual interests and the the groups' uh, expectations. What this reminds me is is that the school itself is supposed to be the mediator, whereas the teacher is the the particular person who has to mediate each individual societal expectation, and in this case, the right. mathematical expectation. And when a, when a teacher right. gets that focused on managing just a single expectation, then it might be difficult to appreciate the, the overall role that you're supposed to have as a teacher as part of this mediating uh, effort between the societal expectations and the individual interests.
1: Yes. Yeah. To add to that, the teacher plays the role of that mediator in the classroom with that particular subject, with these particular students, but the educators in general, which would end up being the entire school or the entire education system, has to mediate between those those concerns on the larger scale we agree right I, yes <laughs> sorry if i just said the same thing you said <laughs> <laughs> you can edit it out <laughs> edit. that's all right um yeah so i just I think had in my is... mind a nice a nice package to put it in and, yeah, but yeah i understand that
0: yeah i enjoyed doing this it's a, this has been a longer discussion but i've really enjoyed it and i'm interested to know if some of these other super teacher movies if we look at some other ones whether or not i will find more balance in it than I have in the past rather than being just annoyed uh, at, <laughs> right. at, at certain movies. You know, I, yeah. and the ones that pop to mind for me are, are like Dangerous Minds, uh, Dead Poet Society, the Ron Clark story, I think it's called. Yeah. But there's many of these films out there
1: right right yeah so we have a plan to do this periodically to do movie reviews of the the super teacher movies and so we thank our listeners for joining us for this one and thank you sean for having this conversation with me again yeah thanks john